Wow, this is made for a tall man. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to be here. And um, several months ago, Alan and I were having a conversation. And um, for those who don't know me, Barbara and I pastored City Church of Albuquerque here for 25 years in this city. Our son is now the pastor of that church and doing a great job, and the church is doing well. But Alan and I developed a relationship in the early to mid-1990s, and we have become just, he's like my brother, and I'm like his brother. We are friends, and um, we have walked this journey together, and we are still walking this journey together, and uh, I'm, I'm actually on your oversight committee here at your board here at the church. I, I don't know what that means, but I'm on it. And uh, <laughs> part of my job is caring for Alan. And we were having a conversation. He was talking about a vacation, him needing one. And I said, Pastor Alan, I will come and give you a vacation. And so we scheduled this months ago. And so we've, we're here for the next uh, three weekends it's kind of awkward for me because my son's in town pastoring here. I had to call him and get permission <laughs> before we did this. And um, he was gung-ho on it, saying, Dad, do it. And so anyhow, we are glad to be here. And uh, my, I told Pastor Allen, uh, Allen, I will not communicate with you unless you initiate it. You will be unbothered on your vacation. And so can I encourage everybody else here to have that same attitude? You will not bother him on vacation. Everybody said amen, Steve. Come on. Amen? Because if I hear about it, I'll get Anthony after you and we will have a, we will have a meeting. I want to talk tonight about the invitation to know God. And um, of course, you have to start every sermon out with a story of some kind. And uh, George and Emma had been married for many years and Emma had a pet parrot named Petey. And um, she had a great big cage, but she'd let that bird out of the cage and the bird ran the house all the time. Well, Emma took sick and she passed away. So George was left with Petey, the bird. And George let the bird out of the cage and the bird developed an attitude because Emma wasn't around anymore. Started getting kind of mean. So George said, I'm going to put this bird back into the cage. And so in the process, the bird got his beak into George's arm and took a big chunk out of the arm. And George was quite upset about it. And he went to the pet shop. He said, I'm looking for a, a, a file. And the pet shop owner said, what are you going to do with the file? And he said, well, I, my wife's parrot bit me, showed him the arm. And he said, I'm going to file his beak. He said, you can't file that bird's beak. You'll kill that bird if you file his beak. Don't touch that bird's beak. And the guy said, I can't have any more of this. He said, I'll find a beak file and I'll go ahead and file his beak. The pet shop owner was yelling at the guy going out the door, don't do that to that bird. So about three months later, the guy got a little puppy and he went back into the pet shop and 
was buying some puppy feed, and the owner of the shop looked at him. He said, hey, I remember you. He said, how's that bird doing? He said, well, he died. He said, did you file his beak? Is that why he died? He said, no. No, he said he, he had a heart attack in the vice. <laughs> Never got the beak filed. The moral of the story is you got to be prepared for some tight places in life. You know, Jesus was a revolutionary. And he showed up preaching a revolutionary message. Mark 1.15, it says this. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And, and what Jesus was saying was that we are reaching out to you and I'm inviting you into a whole new world. If you believe in me and, and believe in what's happening here, you, you can enter this thing called the kingdom of God. And so he's, he's, he's reaching out and saying, come on, take my hand and I'm gonna pull you. See, we think that we're going to bring Jesus into our world and add him to our life. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that he pulls you out of a life that's dead into the life of the Holy Spirit and you come alive in him. And and that was this revolutionary message that he was teaching, repent and believe the gospel. He's reaching out and inviting us into a relationship Repent means to turn around. It means to change your mind. It means to get a whole new way of thinking. You, you can now look at things from God's perspective. If you'll believe in this gospel and believe in Christ, Jesus said you can have eternal or, or everlasting life. And so... It's no longer what you can do, but it's believing in what God has done for you. Believing what he has done for you. You you get what Jesus paid for. Forgiveness. How many think forgiveness is a good thing? He paid for it. You get healing. Body, soul, and spirit. You You get deliverance from evil and a brand new life and a fresh start. See, Jesus opened up the floodgates of love and of mercy and of grace. And then he said this, you can pray for this kingdom to come into the world that you're living in. That you you can bring some heaven into earth. Jesus taught us what eternal life is. John 17, verse three, he said this. This is life eternal, that you may know him. You you may know him. And that's to not know about him, but to know him deeply, to know him personally. And, And you let him know you. Know how you feel. 
know how you understand. We can know how he feels. We can know how he understands. We can experience him. You, you can have intimacy with God. Steve, this is elementary. Don't you know that we all know this? I know that we know it, but do we know it? And, and do we live like it? That we've been invited into a relationship with our God. And that he actually is still calling us saying, come on in. Come on in. The weather's good in my world. See, this new life that we've been given is a relationship that's real. And it's vibrant. And it is alive. The spirit of the living God is now not out in some ethereal place somewhere. He is actually living inside of you. you. You get to know him. Knowing God was alluded to in the Old Testament. A select few knew God and walked with him. You read about Abraham and Noah and Isaac and Jacob, and Joel and David. A few of these people had this walk with God. Psalms 103 verse 7 said this. He, he made his ways known to Moses. And his acts were known to Israel. The, the nation actually were the benefactors of God's miracles. Food rained down every day. There was a rock following around wherever they went. Water gushed out and they could drink from it. And Paul said that that rock was Christ. You know, says that none of the diseases that were on the Egyptians came upon them. 40 years, their feet didn't get blisters because their sandals didn't work. They participated in God's miracles. They, they knew his actions. But it was Moses that knew him. It was Moses that knew his ways. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight. Daniel, Daniel chapter 11. We read this verse all the time. We quote this verse, but we only quote part of it. Daniel eleven thirty two says, those who do wickedly against the covenant he shall corrupt with flattery. We quote this part, but the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. People get corrupted by flattery. They get defiled. <laughs> they get polluted. The word flattery is you get corrupted by smooth talkers. Actually, we get corrupted by people that tell us what we want to hear. 
Let's get honest about this. You know, tell me what I want to hear so I feel better about myself. Let me have some miracles. My question is, do you want miracles or do you want to know God? Because you can know him. I mean, flattery messes with people. I have watched it ruin people's lives. Oh, they said this about me and this. And all of a sudden, our ego gets puffed up. I've watched preachers do it. I've watched business people do it. Their ego gets so swelled that they can't be corrected. My wife is a very wise lady, and she says this. Flattery is kind of like perfume. You can smell it, but don't swallow it because it'll mess with you. Those that know their God, the supreme one, the ultimate one, those who live with a constant awareness of who he is, that he actually is your familiar friend, you will be strong. The word strong is courageous. You will have some courage. You will be a conqueror. And my goodness, in this day that we're living in, we need some people who follow Jesus, who know God, who are not fearful and not intimidated and are not running their head and not hiding somewhere. And oh, come on. We need some people with some courage. We need some people with some backbone. We need some people with some strength inside of them. Not their strength, but his strength. Your strength will burn you out. His strength will pick you back up when you fall down. Come on. We need some courageous people in this day. That's free. That's not in my notes. They'll do exploits. They'll take some action. They will resist. Say that with me. Resist evil. Say it with me. Come on. We will resist evil evil. We will not let it contaminate us and flatter us and pollute us and beat us down. The Old Testament, a select few knew God. Jesus shows up saying, you can come in to this relationship. He's a perfect God saying, I I want you. God who is love, God who is filled with mercy, God who is filled with kindness. He's the God of all grace. He's saying this, you can come into my kingdom. What he's saying this is, I want you. I saw Sean's poster out there saying, he's looking for some help around here. I want you. God is saying, I want you. You should look at yourself in the morning, mirror in the morning and say, he wants me. See, the question is, do you want him? Because you can have him. Jesus made the way. See, God is the initiator of this relationship and we have to respond. The apostle Paul is a hero of mine. And, um, you know, before I ever pastored a church, John the Baptist was my hero, other than Jesus. Repent, the kingdom is here. Get right with God. I liked all that stuff. 
Then I pastored a church for 25 years, and I have utmost respect for the Apostle Paul. Everybody wants to lead a church. Everybody wants to be a pastor. Everybody wants to be the person until you are. And then all of a sudden, everybody's looking at you and expecting you to be God and expecting you to, you know, all that stuff goes out. If you're a leader anywhere, you're going to get these things happen to you, you know. And then all of a sudden you think, I don't want to do this. This isn't fun, you know. Now think about Paul. He said this, the burden of all the churches is upon me. You know, he, he, he's a champion of our faith. And in the book of Philippians chapter three, this is my actually main text. I've just been setting you up. So you're set up, okay? So if you don't know, you just got set up. You just got set up for the fix up. Come on. Paul's writing to them and he said, my brethren rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Then he says this. He's talking about old covenant people. We are new covenant people. We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. We have to remind ourselves of that. Then he said, though, if I could have confidence, I could have a lot of it. I mean, I was circumcised the eighth day. I am of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law. I'm a Pharisee. He would have had the Talmud memorized. Pharisees memorized the first five books of scripture. So he said, I, I, I would have had all this stuff together. And besides that, I was zealous. I persecuted the church. I was after those people of the way. I went into their houses to pull them out and get them arrested. I was the guy who was doing it. I was blameless. And then he says this, but what worth to gain for me, I counted loss for Christ. <laughs> I count all things loss for the excellency of the, what is that word? The, the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I actually like the old King James calls it dumb. For people that don't know who that is, that is that you flush it. In other words, Paul was saying everything that I had everything that I was where my whole identity was. And I was really somebody my somebody was nothing. In fact, it was so wasted that it needed to be flushed. I mean, he had a badge for flattery. Flush it. That's what he said. Alan is much kinder than I am, I think. But get rid of it. He and I have had these conversations. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. See, our righteousness as a new covenant person is not what we do 
It's what he did, what he bought, what he paid for. And Romans says that you are given the gift of righteousness. When the father looks at you, he doesn't see your mess. He sees Jesus and says, you are my kid and I'm pleased with you. See, that's the righteousness that comes from Jesus. He paid for that. That's what Paul said he wanted. And then in verse 10, he, he says this. I want to know him. This is the Apostle Paul writing from a cold, nasty prison cell to a group of churches. And the cry of his heart wasn't, get me out of this jail. The cry of his heart was, I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I'm not there yet, and I'm not already perfected, but I press on. Say, I press on with me. Come on. Press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I don't count myself to have it, but I do this. I forget what's behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead of me. Paul, I want to gain Christ. I want his favor flowing through me. I, I want to be found in him. I want this total new identity. I, I want this faith righteousness. I want a total allegiance to what he has done. I, I, what Moses had, what Jeremiah prophesied about, what Daniel prophesied about, what Jesus explained, Paul said, that's what I want. I don't want it just to be in a history book somewhere. I don't want it somewhere that I've memorized. I don't want it in some kind of a catechism. I actually want to know the living God. Paul was saying this not as a new believer. Now he was a seasoned church planter. He'd seen signs and wonders and miracles. The bodies healed, the dead raised, cities turned upside down. He had seen it all. He had the t-shirt. I've been there and I've done it. And at the end of his life, he was saying this. It's not more of that stuff. It's him I want. It's him I want to know. It's him I want to walk with. I want to be aware of him at all times. In this smelly, stinky, rat-infested jail cell, I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I can know him. See, we think eternal life. Oh man, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Listen, eternal life doesn't start the day you leave the planet. Eternal life starts the day that you bend your knee to the Lord Jesus and confess him as the Lord of your life. Are you listening to me? We got to understand this. We sometimes stick everything off into the future some way. Oh man, if I could just get out of here and God doesn't want to get you out of here. He wants to invade you where you are and give you a total new perspective. Yeah. 
It's not just in heaven. It's here now. Paul said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. <laughs> I want to know the fellowship. We don't talk this verse. We, we read over this verse really quick. I want to know the Lord. I want to know your power. I want to know this. <laughs> the fellowship of his sufferings. Jesus had rejection, had persecution, had opposition, had physical discomfort. He had weakness. He had betrayal. He was misunderstood. He was lied about. He was forsaken. You know those things I just read, you know what they are? They're the occupational hazards of being a follower of Jesus. See, we've, we've preached this thing in the Western world that if you don't feel good about it, it's probably not God. I'm here to say God didn't that concerned about how you feel about everything. He wants you to get some stuff inside of you and wants you to want to know him and you can come out of that stuff and in the middle of that stuff, you can live in his presence. Come on. I read in Psalms, in Isaiah, talking about the cross, it says Jesus' tongue stuck to his mouth. He opened out his mouth, Isaiah said, in the middle of describing the suffering of the cross. He didn't complain. Could you imagine a few years ago, people whining into church all the time about the difficulties that they were going through? That doesn't happen anymore because Christians are stupid and put it on Facebook. <laughs> now, everybody, listen to me. Everybody get real still and prophesying over you with my eyes open. Stop it. You're a living witness for Jesus. Quit acting like you're some browbeat little sissy. You have an invitation to know God in the middle of your stuff. Please take this off the video when it's over. Listen to me. The world is dying to meet some people who actually know God and can walk through some difficulties. Paul said, I don't have it all together. We need to quit acting like we do. We follow the one that's got it all together. And he said, I'm pressing on. There's more. If you're breathing today, there's more for you. If, if you're on this side of the grass, I don't care how old you are, there's more for you. Paul said, I'm reaching for that. You know that there's a that in your life? Are you reaching for it? Becoming and doing what God has designed for you? Please, please don't be reaching for something minimal when there's something supernatural for you. What are we pressing for? What is this high calling? Well, first of all, it's to know him and to make him known. I just want to give you three simple keys to know God. 
after we've said yes to Jesus? The first one is this, is keep your faith active. Faith is not a noun. It's not a statement of belief. It might have some of that stuff in. But those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Faith is an activity of your soul. You are running after God. You never stop seeking him. You don't. You just don't stop running after him. Faith agrees with God in your mind and your mouth. (laughs) You shouldn't be saying what he's not saying. Come on. Faith trusts in God, which is your mind and your heart. Faith yields to God, which is your mind and your will, and it obeys, which is your heart, mind, body, soul, and everything within you. See, to keep your faith active, you actually got to stay in the word of God. I've been a Christian since 1973. I still need to read the Bible every day. I still need to renew my mind every day. The environmental problems in our world are not climate change. The environmental problems in our world are minds that are not renewed with the word of God. And you and I, listen to me, we are called to be environment changers. We are called to change a culture. We are called to raise the temperature when we walk into a room. We need to have an active faith. Oh, I'm just hanging on until Jesus comes. Let go. (laughs) He'll catch you. You'll quit being a survivor and start becoming a thriver. Come on. See, God rewards diligent seekers. The second thing to knowing God is keep your heart clean. Keep it clean. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Don't allow apathy, passivity, criticism, cynicism. Don't let those things get welled up inside of you. Fight it. Resist it. There's better things for you than that. Don't let yourself get polluted. The apostle Paul said, this is what he said, I I cleanse, you cleanse yourself of the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. You know, one of the words for the devil is Beelzebub. He's the Lord of the flies. He's attracted to garbage. In all this spiritual warfare, how do I get out of it? It's quite simple. Take the garbage out. Remove it out of here. Pull it out. Sweep it off. Keep your heart pure. Keep your heart clean. I hope this is helping somebody here. Your spiritual life, your seeds of faith, your, keep your conscience clean. You know, if you're in worship and the person you're mad at is coming into your mind when you're in worship, that's not the devil. 
That's the Holy Spirit saying, you got some issues you need to deal with so we can connect. Are, are you listening to me? You know, oh, Lord, bless your name. Put those hands down and go take care of your mess and then come back and we'll have some fellowship. <laughs> I rebuke that. You're not going to listen. It's going to happen over and over and over again until you go deal with your stuff. Why? Because God wants you to be active with him. And part of that activity is taking the garbage out and keeping your heart clean so you can see from God's point of view instead of your own. And the third one is our favorite one. Embrace change. Say that with me. Embrace change. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, from glory to glory, he is changing us. When I was a young pastor, this old guy came into our church and taught and he said this. He said, the scriptures say, God is not changing. Everybody, amen. He said, that means you get to. So now I'm the old guy coming into churches saying, God is not going to change. You know what that means? You get to, you have to embrace change. If you want to know him, embrace change. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. I don't know what God's doing in my life. He's killing you. So that you'll quit thinking that you're important and embrace him so the change will come into your life that the only famous person in your life is not you, it is Jesus. See, and so you have to embrace change. You ever prayed these bold prayers? God, I'll go wherever you go, want me to go and do whatever you want me to do. Every new Christian prays those prayers. I prayed them. And I prayed this prayer one time. Lord, I want you to break every religious bone in my body. I'm tired of sitting on the judgment seat. I'm tired of being right all the time. I'm tired of picking fights about what I believe and what they don't believe. God, I have let the spirit of a Pharisee come alive inside of me. And I don't want to be that anymore. So I want you to break every religious bone in my body. He took me up on that embarrassed me several times. You know, when it's time to eat crow, eat it when it's warm. <laughs> I was in Bolivia with a Toto Salcedo, who's the leader of this movement in Bolivia. The nation of Bolivia has been in a spirit of revival for about a whole generation, 40 years. And, and Toto oversees a network of churches, about 80 of them. But the main church in La Paz has probably now 50, 60,000 people in it. They, they can't get them into wherever they are. They have multiple services and campuses all over the place and online services and all this stuff. The leaders in that nation, the spiritual leaders in that nation, most of them are Book of Acts type of people. They, they don't have formal educations. They haven't been to seminaries. They don't, they, a lot of them were business people, people that worked for the government, got radically saved filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're kind of the leaders of it. And so anyhow, Pastor Toto, I'm having this conversation with him in, in a little back room where they have their services at, and he said, you guys in North America are praying for a revival. And he said, um, I, I have a hard time seeing it happen. I said, why did you say that, Toto? 
Why'd you say that? He said, Steve, I've been around a lot of North American pastors, a lot of leaders. And he said, this is what he said to me. He said, the North American church is too cynical. And then he said, you can't be a cynic and have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He left the room. I was in this little room all by myself. I got down, I remember right, that green chair right there, I got down on my knees. Oh God, break every cynical bone in my body. You know, he, he took me up on that. When I start taking pot shots at people, when I start acting like I know something that I don't know, when I start talking bad about leaders, political leaders, come on, let's get holy. How many of you want to do that job? Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Are you listening to me? We got to quit sitting on the seat of the scornful. We, we, you know, who do we think we are? We, we are called to be servants of God. You want the kingdom to increase and expand? You have to be the servant of God all. Well, I just want to be the ones I like and the ones I agree with me. Your world is small if you think that way. God wants to blow your mind and expand your world and put you in places that you're not trained for, that you're dependent on him and you walk with him and you embrace change and you go in and serve people you don't even like. Oh, me. But I prayed this crazy prayer of Paul's when I was 25. I was praying in a dorm room in a Bible college. I'm reading this verse here. I want to know him. Holy Spirit was just like a, a Solomon moment. The Holy Spirit walked in. What do you want, Steve? I said, I want what Paul wanted. I want to know you. See, we pray these prayers and they're still living in our lives. I want to know you, God. He said, oh, okay. Within a few months, he said, I want you to pack up and leave everybody you know and move all the way across country and submit to some people that you don't know and learn about my ways. I like the sunshine, Lord. I like the beach, and you're telling me to move to Portland, Oregon, where it rains. Little did I know that there was a cute little blonde waiting for me there. It's not a sad story. It's a great story. But, and, and I connected with the people I've, all my life, I've worked with. So you start praying these prayers. God will take you up on him. You have to embrace change you got to embrace it you got to grab a hold of it you know transition all oh, those are wonderful things everybody loves change right from glory to glory he is 
changing us, even into the image of Christ. He's, he's transforming us. And so transitions, change. It's a wonderful opportunity to know God. It, it's an opportunity to be apprehended by the that. What is your that? See, I want my that as long as I don't have to move. That's not how it works. See, embracing change is like this. You're in a room and everything, how many like it when everything's nice and everything's comfortable and you're familiar, every, all your friends are, you know, you got, you got life going. I mean, it's good for you. And then the Lord says, I, I want you to change. I want just a little bit of a change and an adjustment and I'm going to move you into another room. And this room over here is what you were born to do. It is glorious. It is filled with purpose. It is filled with presence. It is filled with all this stuff. Yeah, God, I want to get there. Okay. To get from this room to that room, you got to go through this hallway this tight place to get over there. We pastored the church here for 25 years. My life was good. It was tough at first, but it got good. It got very good. I'm comfortable. I know everything. The Lord, <clears throat> he told my wife first, which made me mad. <laughs> it's time to start transitioning this thing. I got more for you to do over here. I... Okay, you start down this hallway. Listen, when serious change starts coming to your life and you have to let go of everything you've had and everything you have your identity wrapped up in and everything you understand and, and you, wanna, you wanna get to that place, this hallway is not fun. I've called it the hallway of hell because every fear... I'm not an emotional guy and every emotion in the world come running after me. You know, and, and it just starts coming after you. Anxiety, what am I gonna do? How, how's this gonna work out? Lord, don't you know that I, I've always worked since I was 11 years old and I always knew what my, you know, I, I have some, what are you doing to me? Got something better for you. I don't like it. But here's what happens. You make the announcement, this change is coming to my life. And then you start, get out here in the middle and you think, I don't, I don't want to get there. I want to go back. Listen to me. Back is not there anymore. It's gone. It's over. You can't turn around. You can't be double-minded. You can't live in fear. You can't live in anxiety. You can't let the monsters of your mind run over you like a truck. You got to get a hold of God in the middle of your hallway. Every day for three years, I kept saying it out loud. God, I don't like this, but I'm going to trust you. You know, trust is easy to talk about and easy to preach about and easy to tell everybody else to do. But when it comes to your door, it's not so much fun. I don't, I don't want to go. Come on, get over here. Get to the other side. So we get to the other side. You know, we're doing well. Life is going good. Things are going well. Matt's doing a great job. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying life. And then, and then the Holy Ghost. Talks to my wife again. Not me, her. 
You need to move. I'm not moving. We got a home that's paid for. Our life is good. Love my neighbors. Love the pastors in the city. Love this, love that. What do you mean we need to move? There's more for us out of here. And, and my mom, I don't, I don't want her dying alone. She's in her 90s. Barbara's mother is 95. She still lives by herself, drives a car. I'm not riding with her, drives a car. <laughs> and, and before COVID, before COVID hit, 95, she line danced. She volunteered a day a week at the hospital. She did it every day for 45 years, every Tuesday for 45 years. She, she had a knitting group that she, or a quilting group that she belonged to that she was making quilts for people in hospice, people that were dying, my 95-year-old mother-in-law's making quilts for. She goes bowling every week. I mean, she's got this life packed, all this stuff before COVID, you know. And so <clears throat> why am I telling this story? I really don't know, but it's good. But Barbara said, we need to be closer to her. There's no family around. Yeah, that's right. You know, so we're going to move. I'm telling you, every anxiety in my world just starts rising up, rising up. I, I said, God, I'm now, this is two and a half years ago. God, I'm almost 69 years old and you want me to move? Come on. Holy Spirit, how old was Abram? when I called him out, 75. How old was Moses when I called him out of the wilderness? He was 80. But that was then, God. That was then. <laughs> he said, come on. Let's go through this. So we went through this. Go through this hallway. And we're on the other side. And today, today I am doing what I was born to do. I'm 71, but... I'm pastoring pastors all over the country. I'm working with pastors, young pastors, guys that are going through transitions, all this other stuff. I don't want to not work, but I'm telling you, going through that hallway took me to a place that I could have never dreamed about. Transitions are good for us. Say that with me. Come on. Transitions are good for us. Say this with me. I will embrace change. Come on. I will embrace change. You have to embrace it. Amen? This is good stuff, Steve. Lord, I want to know you. You get to change. I'm comfortable. Listen, we all call the Holy Spirit our comforter when we're in the comfortable place. He ain't your comfortable comforter until you get in an uncomfortable place and you need him. That's free. You better write it down. That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, I want his presence all over me. Get in the hallway and don't turn around and don't go back. Well, I'm going back. Where are you? I'm in the hall. That's what he says. Come on, come on, come on. Follow me through all the way to the other side. Say other side with me. Now, I don't have to be a prophet. You guys know I'm telling you something. You know. I've walked with Alan for a long time and I'm his cheerleader. You know, I've been telling him, Alan, you are one of the best kingdom preachers in the United States of America. He's one of the best theologians in the United States of America. 
You know, I, I am his cheerleader. He started talking to me a couple years ago about maybe it's time for me to step aside. And I've always said, you got more in you, don't quit. You know, anyhow, a few months ago, or not a few months, just a couple, three, four, a few weeks ago, he said, Steve, I just think it's time. So you as a church get to go through a transition. It's exciting. Say amen. Come on. You're going to leave what's comfortable and find your destiny. But you're going to go through some tight places. Listen to me. In those tight places, don't whine. Don't complain. Don't get cynical. Don't get mad. Get humble and cry out to God every day. God, we are going to trust you. I'm prophesying to you with my eyes open. You're going to have every emotion. You're going to think you know better. You don't. God's in charge. Are you listening to me? You're going to go through this transition. You have been invited to know him better. I had three amens on that. You have just been invited <laughs> to know God better. Let's thank him for that. Come on, give him a hand. Thank him. He's inviting you to know him better. He's inviting you to embrace change. If Pastor Allen and Gail have done their job, you have great elders and leaders in this church. You have a great staff in this church. You have a great foundation in this church. There is a servant attitude in this church. Everywhere you look, you see the fingerprints of somebody who has been led by a great leader. You're emotionally healthy. Come on. You are in a great place as a church. You've gone through COVID and your money's better. Come on. I'm serious. I'm working with pastors all over the country. I talk to them every week. And I'm telling you, you have been well cared for. And can I say this? Alan's ceiling, he's done his job in his generation for this purpose. It is the platform for the next generation to go further and higher and longer. Are you listening? Come on. He did something to give you an advantage for the future. Don't get mad, honor them, bless them, speak well of them, pray for them, pray for your future because the God who had you comfortable here is gonna take you through the hallway into the transition place and you're headed to a better place. Your future is good. It's outstanding. It's the best. How do you know that? Because I know the thoughts that he has for you to give you a future and a hope. Thoughts of good and not evil. He will make you prosper. He will be with you. You will see more people come into the kingdom, more bodies healed. Come on. The life of the kingdom, the comforter will help you get through the hallway. Don't get trapped in fear and negativity and criticism and cynicism. Keep your faith active. Keep your heart pure and embrace change.
You got to come back. You got to come back next week for the second chapter of this exciting adventure. Can we stand together? Say this with me. I will keep my faith active. I will keep my heart clean. And I will embrace change. And I will know God much better. Would you just lift your hands with me tonight? I want to pray for you. Pray for those that are online. Pray for those that could be watching it later. Lord, thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you that we get to spend three weekends together. Thank you, God, that you have plans for them that are good and wonderful and powerful, that you are going to take them from one place to another place. You're going to be with them in the hallway. You're going to be with them in the present. You're going to be with them in the future. You're going to be with them, God because you promised to never leave us and never forsake us. And Lord, I just say right now, let faith for the future come alive. I prophesy into the spirit of everybody in this room. God is with you. God is for you. God will help you. God will empower you. God will enable you. And you will look toward the future, not as hopeless, but filled with hope that God is going to be with us in all that we say or do. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord give you his abundant peace. God bless you. Thank you.